Today on Locked on Dolphins, wrapping up the 2023 Dolphins blueprint for the 2023 offseason, a look at what the 53-man roster could look like after the proposed free agency and draft maneuvers that we've tabled here throughout the course of this week. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is Thursday, March 9th, 2023, and we are finishing the 2023 Miami Dolphins offseason blueprint here. A whole week's worth of discussion on what I would do if I were in general manager Chris Greer's shoes throughout the course of the next several months. The objective, of course, to put this team over the top. If you're new to Locked on Dolphins, welcome. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, longtime NFL draft Nick, and absolutely love the team building process. And we are putting a bow on what my blueprint, not my guarantee, but my blueprint would look like if I were general manager Chris Greer over the course of the next several months. So this week on the show, Monday was dedicated to reallocating salary cap with contract restructures and trimming some fat on the roster and assessing where the roster stood. Tuesday was all about free agency, both bringing back players from the Dolphins roster of 2022 signing new players to the Dolphins roster that were not members of the Dolphins in 2022. And then yesterday on the show was all about the mock draft, the seven-round mock draft, in which we brought seven players in total with the Dolphins' currently scheduled picks and a few extra picks by some proposed traded players. And we've got ourselves in a pretty good spot. Uh, as a quick recap here of the Miami Dolphins 2023 offseason blueprint, we brought back Needham. Craycraft, Mostert, Riley, Sherfield, Campbell, Morstead, Ahmed from the team last year. In free agency, we brought in linebacker Drew Tranquil, tight end Foster Moreau, offensive tackle Trey Pipkins, safety John Johnson, quarterback Taylor Heineke, edge Malik Reed, running back Jared McKinnon, corner Channon Sullivan, defensive tackle Colin Saunders, and interior offensive lineman Daniel Brunskill. And then in the draft, we drafted tight end Darnell Washington, safety Brandon Hill, running back Israel Abanacanda, linebacker Ivan Pace Jr., kick returner Darius Davis, defensive tackle P.J. Mustafer, and special teamer Lonnie Phelps. That is all of the acquisitions that have set the table. And then, of course, you'll have UDFAs who come in as players who are undrafted and um kind of gets you set up for what today is about, which is what the lineup would look like, what the 53 would look like, and then what the salary cap would look like over a three-year sample size for the health of the roster. So let's talk about what this starting lineup would look like for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I don't envision a lot of rookie snaps early on, in spite the fact that you got two round three picks in in – Hill and Abanacanda uh, in my proposal and my mock draft that I, I think can be meaningful players for the Dolphins 
uh, in year one. As a reminder, our evaluation index, we're trying to identify every player on the roster as either a roster cornerstone, a quality starter, an adequate starter, a replacement level player, a quality depth piece, a non-roster caliber player, an incomplete evaluation, a practice squad developmental player, or a rookie. So I have up 12 personnel on offense. Your starting offensive line, Teron Armstead, roster cornerstone. I think Daniel Brunskill wins the left guard job in this scenario over Liam Eikenberg. He's an adequate level starter. Connor Williams and Robert Hunt at center and right guard. They are incumbents. They're both quality starters. And then at right tackle, you have Trey Pipkins, who I think would beat out Austin Jackson. I think Pipkins is an adequate level starter, whereas Austin Jackson is a replacement level player at this stage. To a tongue of a low at the quarterback position, we are assuming his health. He is a quality starter when he is healthy and available to play for the Dolphins. Your two wide receivers and 12 personnel. 12 personnel is uh, one running back, two tight ends. Uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, those are both roster cornerstones as well. Raheem Mostert, sweat equity, understands the system, was here last year, brought back. Obviously, you've got a rookie and then a, a veteran in Jarek McKinnon that he's sharing the backfield with. Uh, Mostert, I have classified as an adequate level starter. And then your two tight ends in 12 personnel, rookie Darnell Washington and tight end Foster Moreau, the free agent signing from the Las Vegas Raiders. Moreau is an adequate level starter. Washington is a rookie, obviously. So you have 11 players on your proposed best available fielded lineup on offense. No replacement level players, no quality depth players no non-roster caliber players, no incomplete evaluations, no practice squad developmental types, one rookie. Everybody else is an adequate starter, a quality starter, or a roster cornerstone. Let me tell you right now, there are teams that fielded starting lineups last year that had probably half of the lineup as replacement level players or incomplete evaluations, like four, five, six guys. Look at the Houston Texans last year. Look, I mean, shoot, look at the Dolphins in 2021 and what that unit looked like. This is a really, really formidable unit from top to bottom as far as I'm concerned. Now, you obviously have to do this or you have to do something better than this or you have to do something similar to this in real life. Like, this is all fine and dandy, but I'm not bidding against 31 of the GMs for the services of players. I try to be as, as objective and realistic as I could be. But I don't know. I I look at that, and then I, I think about the players who are now your, your key depth pieces. As you comment, Sherfield at wide receiver. At tight end, you still got Hunter Long as your tight end three. You've got Jarrett McKinnon, who's been a quality player for the Chiefs, and a rookie in a band of Kanda, who I think could get better as the season goes on at running back. Alec Ingold, who we did not mention, who's an adequate starter as well for when you want to go 22 personnel or 21 personnel and go one tight end on the field. And you've got a quality depth piece as your backup quarterback in Taylor Heineke, who I think skill sets actually mirror to a tongue of a law. And your two critical swing offensive linemen are former top 50 picks who have to prove that they can play. That you're obviously committed to in Austin Jackson and Lee Mikeberg because you drafted them and they're, they're cheap talent for... Uh, multi-flex positional guys. Both can play tackle and guard. I'm head over heels. 
I'm going to be honest. I'm, I'm head over heels with that unit in its entirety. Now, durability will test that, and football is a game of attrition. But I think about that offensive starting group and 12 personnel and the challenges that that can present to opposing teams, and I think that has the right stuff. I, I really genuinely think that has the right stuff. We'll get to the 53-man roster and look at what players I think do and don't make uh, after we talk about the defensive side of the ball. But before we talk about the defensive side of the ball, I have to talk to you about our friends over at FanDuel. It's the midway point of the NBA season. Now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and everything in between. FanDuel lets you even combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with same-game parlays. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the proposed defensive lineup. Uh, we're operating in the assumption we're going to run some kind of nickel as our, our base defense, as that's the world that NFL teams live in these days. Uh, the personnel here, Chubb, Sealer, Wilkins, Phillips, you're down four. Your two backers are Tranquil and Baker. Uh, your starting corners on the outside are Xavier Howard and Cater Kohu. We're going to operate under the assumption that Brandon Jones and Nick Needham might need a little time to be ready for the start of the season. So we're going to put Chan and Sullivan in that spot. That could also very easily uh, be Brandon Hill, the rookie, right off the jump if they want to go big nickel. And then your safeties on the back end are Javon Holland and John Johnson. So again, the distribution. You have 11 players on the field, and none of them are replacement level players, quality depth players, non-roster caliber players, incomplete evaluations, practice squad developmental players, or even rookies on the defensive side of the ball. You have adequate starters, quality starters, and roster cornerstones. you got four roster cornerstones between Phillips, Wilkins, Chubb, and Holland. You have four quality starters in Howard, Kohu, Sealer, and Tranquil, and then you have three adequate starters in Baker, Shannon Sullivan, and John Johnson. And I think, again, the important thing to impose here is the new names, the players who are new to this Dolphins defense as proposed and assembled here. John Johnson, Shannon Sullivan, Drew Tranquil. They all played in variants of this system before. Tranquil with Brandon Staley, Johnson with Brandon Staley at the Rams in 2020, and Sullivan with Donatel last year in the Vikings. So now it's how well can your, your in-house guys transition. And hopefully they've already got a little bit of a jump on it uh, because all of these guys, all the projected starters and Holland and Howard and Baker and Kohu and Chubb and Sealer and Wilkins and Phillips, they're all under contract, right? So it's, it's not like, oh, I got to get ready for free agency. I don't know where we're going to play. So th this, this field's a very complete group before you even get into the depth. So I'm going to walk us through what I think the 53 should look like off of this assembly of, of players. We'll talk about the salary cap, 
that the Dolphins are going to finish with for available space, knowing you're going to have to have some of it available at your disposal to pay players for roster transactions throughout the course of the season when players get hurt and you're going to add guys to the team and all that jazz, right? But let's walk through the 53-man roster. I have three quarterbacks on this 53-man roster. Tonga Valoa, quality starter. Taylor Heineke, quality depth. Skylar Thompson, practice squad developmental type player. You want to argue he's an incomplete evaluation, that's fine. I'm not particularly high. Your running backs, I have four under contract on the 53. Raheem Mostert, quali- adequate starter. Israel Abanikanda, third-round rookie from Pittsburgh. Jarek McKinnon, quality depth, signed in free agency. And then Alec Ingold, an adequate starter at fullback. Six wide receivers. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, they're roster cornerstones. You know that already. Trent Sherfield is a quality depth player. Eric Ezukam is an incomplete evaluation. River Craycraft is a quality depth piece. And then Darius Davis, the day three rookie from TCU, is going to be your designated return player on both punt and kickoffs. Four tight ends. Darnell Washington, the top pick in the, in the, the mock draft. Foster Moreau from the Raiders. Hunter Long. He's a quality depth piece at this point. You could argue he's an, an incomplete evaluation. Uh, I don't think you can count on him for more than that until he shows he's capable of more than that. And Tanner Connor is an incomplete evaluation. See, really seems like this staff is over the moon with him and what he's physically capable of as a former big-bodied wide receiver from a small school. I have eight offensive linemen. You're starting five. Armstead. Roster cornerstone, Connor Williams and Robert Hunter, quality starters. Daniel Brunskill and Trey Pipkins, adequate level starters. Two replacement level players in Austin Jackson and Liam Eichenberg right now, and then a quality depth piece in Robert Jones. UDFA hit for the team. So you've only got two replacement level players on the offensive depth chart altogether, and those of you who are low on the job that Chris Greer has done will be quick to point out, well, those are two top 50 offensive linemen that quit Chris Greer drafted. And I get it, but as we talked about earlier this week, I think they drafted for need in both of those instances, and that's really what got them away from drafting good players in general. It's a lot easier when you can just draft quality players and not feel like you have to fill certain voids early in the draft because you know you need that rookie to step into a starting role, especially when the run happens out in front of you and you're at the mercy of the, of the board. It's an ugly place to be. That's what I try to avoid with how I strategize the free agency signings that we covered yesterday on the show or Tuesday on the show. Over on the defensive side of the ball, your defensive lineman, Wilkins, roster cornerstone, Sealer, quality starter, Raekwon Davis and Colin Saunders, quality depth pieces, and then P.J. Mustafer is a rookie, the seventh-round pick out of Penn State. Your edge defenders, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. I'm willing to die on the hill that these are both roster cornerstones for you. Based on what they paid, based on their physical abilities, based on their longevity as as under contract players, they're both roster cornerstones. Malik Reed, quality depth piece played with Fangio in Denver. And then Lonnie Phelps, the final pick of the mock draft more of a special teams player. I think I think the special teams component that he brings would give him the edge over Cameron Good. Uh, your linebackers, this is still an area that's not overly deep. 
Uh, there's going to be a lot riding on Channing Tindall with the way that this has been assembled, but you have Drew Tranquil and Jerome Baker as your two definitive starters. Brought back Duke Riley as a uh, quality depth piece. Channing Tindall is an incomplete evaluation, but was a third-round pick last year. And then a fifth-round pick in this year's mock draft, Ivan Pace would be your physical thumper type back uh, to pair with Tindall, who has both thump ability and speed and range. The question for Tindall is putting it all together as far as the assignment elements of the game. 11 DBs on this 53-man roster projection. Howard and Kohu, your starting corners. Sullivan and Needham, your contenders to be the nickel corner. Trill Williams is an incomplete evaluation. Noah Igbenogany, the only other replacement level player on the roster to go along with Austin Jackson and Liam Eichenberg. Howard and Kohu, quality starters. Sullivan and Needham, adequate starters. True Williams, an incomplete evaluation. So six corners and then five safeties. Your five safeties being Javon Holland, who's a roster cornerstone. John Johnson and Brandon Jones, adequate level starters. The rookie from the third round in uh, from Pitt in Brandon Hill. And then Elijah Campbell is a special team slash quality depth piece. Special teams, you got three specialists. Jason Sanders, adequate starter. Thomas Morstead, quality starter. Long snapper, Blake Ferguson, adequate starter. At your 53, based off of what I've put together, and by my assessment of all the players involved, you got three replacement-level players under contract out of a 53-man roster. Obviously, we are I'd like to think we're not living in too much of a sense of utopia. I'll be fascinated to cross-reference uh, how the Dolphins choose to spend their money and what the players who I've selected for the team, uh, what they ultimately end up commanding on the market. Uh, that, that's going to be a big determining factor in how realistic this is. I've tried to um, be over-optimistic with some of the forecasting and the spending and, and not go too high into Tier 1 and Tier 2 free agents. Uh, but, but I really feel like we're in a strike zone here where you're 53 between rookies, which are a wild card because they can break any which way, regardless of where you draft them and the position that the Dolphins are in to sign probably tier two and a half, tier three free agents to kind of complement the core and nucleus in place more effectively. It feels like the table set to be able to field a 53-man roster where you, you don't have a bunch of replacement level players or incomplete evaluations. Now, I, I, you can look back across the full 53 and Ezukama, Tanner Connor, you can make an argument for Skylar Thompson and Hunter Long, Channing Tindall, Trill Williams. Those are your incomplete evaluations. Out of the whole, I mean, you're talking 10% of the roster's incomplete evaluations, and you got three players who are replacement level players. Like, you got a really good feeling of what your roster looks like if it looks like this. This is all part of the game, right? Um, but it's all part of the game to do it year over year over year and do it responsibly. And that's the last thing that I want to cover today on the show is a look at what the salary cap would look like with this 53-man roster before practice squad, uh, before additional transactions and signings, before any anything unforeseen post-June 1st. But here's the full cap breakdown. And we'll take the journey through every step that we've covered throughout the course of this week on the show. You started at negative $15.3 million. After you trim the fat, and after you 
uh, found trade partners for Cedric Wilson and, and Emmanuel Agba, you're at $13.8 million in spending power. After you restructure Bradley Chubb and Tyreek Hill and you extend Connor Williams and you extend Christian Wilkins, you're up to over $55.5 million. Then you bring back eight players from last year's team, all on one-year deals, and you go from 15.7 to just over 40. You enter the free agency period with $40 million in spending. You spend on 10 free agents. Four of them get meaningful multi-year contracts and are perceived to be adequate starters or better that step into starting roles on the team. Five if you want to include Brunskill. The other five get one-year deals. And you go from just over $40 million to a post-free agency top 51 of just under $8.5 million. Then the draft happens, and you replace some of the players on your top 51 with day two draft selections and early day three draft selections. And you go from 8.5 to $7.73 million in cap space. Then June 1st rolls around, and just over $10 million of Byron Jones' dead money is a player that you waived at the beginning of the process transitions to be 2024 dead cap. And it's important you can't go below zero before June 1st because that money is locked up. It's kind of set off to the side. So that's why you get the $10 million bump to push you from 7.73 to $17.8 million on June 1st. And then after you cut to 53, you're no longer top 51, you're full 53. You're at six, just under $16.5 million in cap space. That cap is important for a number of reasons. And we're going to talk about that why here to close the offseason blueprint. The year over year for the Dolphins um, is pretty fascinating to look at, especially when it's structured this way. And, and the strategy that we took in offseason was the vast majority, we, we signed 18 players in free agency between Dolphins' own players and the actual free agency period. Of those 18 players, you had 13 of them were one-year deals. And that's fascinating to look at when you look at the year-over-year -year projection for the Dolphins. So the Dolphins have projected, and this is assuming the salary cap continues to grow at the rate that it is currently forecasted to, which is about 15 to $17 million a season. If that is indeed the case, the Dolphins will have a figure of $21.2 million in cap space at their disposal for 2024 with 33 players under contract. To give you perspective, the Dolphins entered this process with 40 players under contract and negative $15 million in cap space. The only thing that you have to do to get to $21.1 million is you have to restructure Bradley Chubb again next offseason, and you have to roll over $10 million in unused cap space. So if the Dolphins take $6 million this year for practice squad, for any players that they have to add, but you leave $10 million at your disposal, you can roll that over, and now you will have 33 players under contract, including the fifth-year option for Tua Tungvaloa. And if that doesn't happen, then all of a sudden, I mean, you're talking $45 million in cap space with 32 players under contract. 
if you wanted to to bypass that and not go that route and then sign to a tongue of a loa to a contract extension or go in a different direction the quarterback position in general whatever you chose would be best but your starting point is about 35 35 million dollars higher in cap space by rolling over cap and restructuring Bradley Chubb and you'll have about the same amount of players under contract. But where this really opens up is in 2020, uh, 2025. The Dolphins are currently scheduled, and this is in spite of having 26 players all under contract with the 53-man roster that I've put together. So this includes free agents that were signed in this hypothetical throughout the course of this week, players that were drafted throughout the course of this week, you're talking $72 million in cap space for 26 players under contract as things currently stand. And that 26 players includes the following. Jason Sanders, you can part, part ways from him if you feel like you need to. Jerome Baker's a void year, so he's not included in this. John Johnson, who you signed in free agency. Brandon Hill, who you drafted. Xavier Howard will be under contract. Cater Co, who's a restricted free agent. Drew Tranquil will be signed. Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips will have the fifth-year option available to them. Christian Wilkins will be signed. Over on the offensive side of the ball, Connor Williams will be signed because of the extension that we proposed. Teron Armstead and Trey Pipkins will both be under contract. Foster Moreau and Darnell Washington as players that were added this offseason in the hypothetical. Tyreek Hill will be available. Jalen Waddle's got the fifth-year option available to him. Abana Kanda, who you drafted. So, like, all of your nucleus players, with the exception of Robert Hunt, Zach Sealer, Javon Holland, all of your quality starters are better, and to a tongue of a low, for $72.5 million in cap space. So there's very little reason why... The Dolphins can't continue this window. You just know you have this year and next year that are going to be a little tight and condensed. But then the flexibility opens back up. And so long as the players that you manipulate the money for, notice who I didn't play around with their contracts with. Teron Armstead, Xavier Howard. I'm not interested in moving that money because I want to have the outs. Jerome Baker, I didn't touch that contract. I could very easily restructure that contract. I'm not going to because I want to have the flexibility to transition away from those players in this window. But I know Bradley Chubb's going to be here. He's a 26-year-old pass rusher, former top 10 overall pick. I moved the money around with Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill's an elite NFL player and the way he plays the game and, and the craftiness in which he, he runs routes, it's not he's not just a speed guy. He's going to age more gracefully than the vast majority of just speed players in the NFL. They're going to be here through 2025, 2026. So I can play with those contracts. I don't want to play with those other contracts. So I put all of this together, and then I'll tell you, you have effectively minus four players who are quality starters or better. In 2025, you're going to have 70, all of them under contract, and over $70 million in cap space at your disposal. flexibility. It's the name of the game. And you do it with a 53-man roster that's got three replacement level players or worse, and it's got 
at most five incomplete evaluations. You're talking 45 players who are quality depth pieces, quality starters, adequate starters, or roster cornerstones. That puts you in position to have a lot of success. And that, my friends, is my 2023 Miami Dolphins offseason blueprint. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this. If you are, have listened to this whole experience, just know you can go to the YouTube channel and you can kind of see all the visuals with everything that, that we've been talking about. There are visual aids that can help you kind of internalize this. Obviously, I know this is a lot of information to process uh, from an audio perspective. So whatever podcast medium you're listening through, I appreciate you listening to the show. If you are on YouTube, I appreciate you checking out the show. Make sure you like the videos, hit subscribe, follow along as well. We've got a lot of great content coming up. Free agency starts next week. It's going to be on top of us before we knew it. And we're going to have so much to talk about. And I cannot wait to invest in all of that with all of you. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. We'll be back tomorrow with Power to the Pod, the mailbag to close the week up, fins up. And thanks for checking out Locked on Dolphins.